This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media in the Sunday afternoon on the big smoke. Hello. It's a miserable, hot, stingy day out there. I had to change my t shirt before I came up here because it was thoroughly wet. So I had to change my t shirt before I came up here. Lots happening in the city overnight, yes. And everybody getting back to normal. Lots of people in town. Police on the streets, ambulances, incidents outside the casino last night. Yeah, so a lot of ambulances uh, travelling round the city. Well, late yesterday afternoon, I caught up with the story of the death of monkey Michael Nesmith. Yes, Mickey Dolans is the only surviving member of that four-piece boy band. They were a boy band, of course. They were manufactured like the Archies for television, something like the Beatles. Michael Nesmith's mother... She was famous in her own right. She discovered a form of um, ink correction. Yes, she uh, formed a company. I think Michael Nesmith uh, owned that company. And he also owned a video company. He was an actor. He was a singer. And someone got their wires crossed. Michael Nesmith did not write some of the iconic um, monkey songs. That was left to people like Neil Diamond and Boyce and Hart. But in 1970, Michael Nesmith wrote a song that we're going to play, and he also released an album called Loose Salute. He is the man also that worked with with video. This is just before MTV came in. One of my favourite Michael Nesmith songs from 1970, as we pay salute.
FM 89.0 Independent Community Media Cosmopolitan News and Views It is a Sunday again It's quarter to one <laughs> How is, How's your day going? Hope uh, you're feeling alright Just got my washing out in the last half an hour So hopefully it'll be dry by the time I get home this afternoon Time for a Christmas song And then we'll say hello to Mel Driscoll <laughs> You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Why? Santa Claus is coming to town, gather round. He's making a list, checking it twice, he's going to find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're away. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. With little tin horns, little toy drums, rooty toot toots and rum-a-tum-tums, Santa Claus is coming to town. The kids and girls in Boyland will have a jubilee. They're gonna build a toyland town all around the Christmas tree. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town 
big fat man with a long white beard. He's coming to town. Free of him, 89.0. Independent community media, the late Bing Crosby and the Andrew Sisters and Santa Clauses. Coming to town. Good afternoon, Mr. Driscoll. Good afternoon. We have Rachel Pope on the line. Hi, Rachel. She owns, Hi there. She owns Browser's second-hand bookstore oh. in Victoria Street in Hamilton. I wonder if you're doing a roaring trade because people have got bored of being at home. Well, we're probably actually doing a roaring trade because we're close to Christmas. <laughs> I think that might be the truth of it. Is it cooking books that are going out the door? No, they're, they're steady. They're steady. I wouldn't say there's a roaring trade in them. There are far too many cookbooks in the world, though. I will add that. <laughs> and after and after watching Gordon Ramsay and his mates on television the other night in Morocco... Yeah, <laughs> too many cooks spill, mm. spoil the broth, as they say. Yeah, too many cookbooks as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rachel, what's what's the most favourite gift for Christmas when it comes to books? Um, probably fiction. Um, there's there's a lot of people that shop for those people that are difficult to buy for men. <laughs> you know, so they're often looking for non-fiction. Um, War books, hunting books, New Zealand history books, that kind of thing. Yeah. And occasionally, a discriminating reader who's chasing some forgotten copy of someone who's been fading into history, but there would yeah. be on your shelves, or perhaps on the top shelf? Well, it might be on the shelf. It might be, yeah. Is, is anybody buying a Bible for Christmas? Um, I haven't seen that happen yet. Um, I do keep a stock of Bibles, though. They do they do sell here and there, yeah. The fear for the business community would be that the fabric of Christmas might be missing, that the spirit might engender the trade that they would rely on any other year. Do you see any evidence of disappointment? No. No, I don't think so. I think... Now it, it all feels just like any other Christmas right now. Although in, in the early weeks after we opened up, um, I was struggling to get a take on the feeling out there. I think there was a little bit of uncertainty. Um, but now we're into the swing of Christmas. I think it's given everybody a bit of a shake-up and they know they've got to get on with it, so they are. I, th I think everybody was reading all that misinformation on online about COVID and Omicron and uh, the masks and me, li me little COVID card and et cetera, et cetera. So that, that was part of the problem. But did you get, did you seek help from the government with, um, with wages, subsidies and all that? Definitely, yeah. Intense yeah. competition, Rachel, between printed matter and that's it's on a screen. It's no good to your business if people are going to access books, e-books. Do you think it's well? Damaged? No, it's not. But we've we've lived with that for quite a long time now. You know, that's not new. Um, and so I think there is a place for the printed, the printed book. Yeah. You've been in the book business uh, some time now, I think. Yeah, twenty-five years. Has it lost its appeal? No. No, it hasn't. It hasn't at all. There's, 
there's always something to learn. There's always something to learn. And there's always the next great book to read or at, discover. Yeah. At what stage of your life did you become aware of a passion for books and protecting them and uh, recycling them? So you're talking about trading as a book dealer, not my, yes. not, um, my passion for literature. Well, that too, if it's a part of it, and one driving the other, perhaps. Yeah. Well, I think for most people, they come to love books as children. And I think some of our fondest memories are our childhood books. Um, and then in different stages of your life, you read more than in others. And, um, but, you know, if you've got a favourite book, you'll always remember where you were when you were reading it and that kind of thing. Do you have one um, like that? Oh, I have several like that. <laughs> well, one that I read in the 90s, for example, was A Suitable Boy. Um, it's, it's an enormous book. It's really fat, and they've just done a series of it on Netflix. But um, I remember I was in England reading it, and I also remember how bereft I was when I finished it because I simply missed the characters so much. Because it took so long to read, they'd been just a part of my life for, for such a long time that I, I really missed them. With, with so many, so. Yeah, with so many books on the shelf, do you have to go by with a feather duster and kind of dust them every once in a while? No, I, no, I don't. Perhaps I shouldn't admit that. Um, <laughs> but every book that gets put on the shelf is cleaned properly. Mm -hmm. It gets a wipe and a dust, um, gets the stickers removed. Yeah. Yeah, of course, some of the favourites for the children will, would be the um, Lord of the Rings trilogy. We've just had the 20th anniversary of the movie. And, yeah. of, co and of course, J.K. Rowling with the Harry yeah. Potter series as it carries on through television programmes with Dame Helen Mirren at the moment. So they still mm -hmm. popular? Absolutely. Um, I wouldn't classify um, Lord of the Rings as children's, like some children do read them, but they're absolutely popular with everybody. Um, and J.K. Rowling, she just hasn't skipped a beat. Her books are as popular as they always were. Just as each new generation comes through, they read them and they adore them. So when I get them through the shop, they go really quickly. Yeah. And we never know what the next popular literature may be, and should it come upon the market, do you expect a delay since you deal, you specialise in second-hand books? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not on top of bestsellers or, or the, the new things that are coming out. But how I operate is um, I'll get asked for something a number of times. And if it's enough times, I'll go, hmm, there's something in that. I'll Next time that comes through, I'll read it. But that applies to newer books, but it also applies to older books as well. So one of my favourite um, favourites is one, an Australian memoir called A Fortunate Life. I just got asked, for that too many times so I read it and it is just the best memoir ever oh. and like, I've, I've had a gentleman come in with it written on a napkin somebody had written it down he was out for dinner written it on the napkin and he came in the next day you know with his napkin and asked for it so you know that's a good example of how popular um, that book is well, what's the book about um, it, it's just a book about an Australian bloke um, he left school at seven or something. Um, he was working really early. He never learnt to read. Um, he learnt to read as a teenager. Um, 
so it's all about his different jobs, um, and not all of them were pleasant. He had some awful experiences. It's about World War One. Um, he served, and then after that, um, but it's it reads like you're sitting next to him on his porch. That's how it feels when you read it, and um, he's just a charming man. He's so it's just, sitting yeah. on a porch in a rocking chair, something like that. That's the one, yeah, exactly that, yeah. Every business yeah. depends on turnover. Is it yep. ever the case that you're turning over so many books that actually a shortage has developed and the space on the shelves? Okay, so there's never space on the shelf, <laughs> but there is definitely a shortage in some areas, yes. Which of those so, specialised areas where they're so popular as to be short, perhaps just okay. being... Well, uh, the Māori books, I can never get enough of them. And in fact, a lot of them quite quickly become collectible or become what we call rare books. Um, uh, philosophy, I can't keep that on the shelf. That always goes. Um, and increasingly, not so much in previous years, but in the last, last few years, um, just standard literature I'm struggling to find copies of, like War and Peace or, you know, you know those kinds of things, because um, they, they sell. They sell steadily. Yeah. yeah. Which is heartening. You, really you, heartening. You talk about War and Peace. It's a, it's a big novel. It, yeah. it, it takes about a month to read it, get it through. And um, another point or two, yeah, I know school's nearly finished for the year. Well, it has. But uh, January's not so far away for people returning to school. Do you carry textbooks for no. particular subjects no. at school so they so you don't no. have to carry them? No. You'll no. see that I don't carry them because they're in one year and then they're out the next year and you never have any idea what's what and which is which and I'd just be left high and dry with a thousand copies of something and, yeah, I, I don't do textbooks. It, 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 everyone is also writing an autobiography, fact or fiction. So um, who's 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 going out the door when it comes to autobiographies? Who's going out the door? Um, there's usually a few New Zealand ones. Um, the Adam Dudding one. I'm sorry, I can't remember the the title of it. That sells really well. Um, there's one about the family that live alone on the West Coast. That one sells really well. I'm sorry, I'm really bad with titles here. Yeah, that, that's no problem. Um, yeah, one of the classic sporting ones is Andre Agassiz. That, um, that one, I'll always make sure I've got a copy of that. Um, that was a really popular one. Yeah. Um, and the, diary, the Diary of Anne Frank. Can never get enough of that one. Um, is, that is, sells really well as well. Ha, ha, are you carrying the Jacinda Ardern autobiography, an unauthorised autobiography? There is. I have got one of them at the moment. Yeah, I'm, I can't tell you which one, but I have got one of them at the moment. Yeah. You carry voluminous information about books in your mind. It's a wonder that it doesn't become quite confusing to you, even sometimes. Well, it's it's more a case of I know an a tiny little bit about an awful lot of things. So I'm not I'm not I'm the opposite of an academic if you like who knows an awful lot about, you know, a narrow area. So I'm the opposite of that. Yeah. Are, are you at work today or at home? No, no, I'm I'm away. Over time you'd become aware of the changing tastes of your customers. 
do you know the direction it's taking? I would actually beg to differ on that. Um, I don't think tastes are changing. I think it's really consistent with um, the things people are seeking out, which is quality. They want the good books. They want um, the quality philosophy, the quality fiction. Um, and I think the customers are incredibly discerning about it. If something's a bit marginal or a bit lightweight, they'll always go for the better book. Yep. Do pe- people come to you, they watch your Neon or Netflix and they see something of, that's based on a movie. I know Dan Brown's got a new novel out and it's uh, uh, it's a movie either on Neon or Netflix mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, have you got that one? You know the one I'm talking no. about. But new for me. Yeah. Someone will, someone will come in one day and ask for it anyway after they've watched Netflix. They will. Yeah, they will. They will. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people do ask for new things, and I think it's just um, it's just worth a shot just in case I have it. But then they'll go and get it somewhere else, and, and that's fine. Here, here's one. Here's one out of um, left field. I do the Scottish program here on Free FM. Other than this, do people okay. still do people still come and look for works of Robert Burns? Uh, they do. Yep, absolutely. They sell, he sells steadily, yeah. Complying with the COVID requirements, has that been a great difficulty? No. No, that hasn't been difficult. I mean, it's uh, just been aware of the rules, which is while we work, we wear a mask, um, having the um, scanning codes up. There is a lot of... There is still a little bit of confusion amongst customers. I've had phone calls saying, do I need a vaccine pass? Or I've had apologetic stroke, slightly defensive people. Look, I'm not wearing a mask because. And, you know, I just sort of say to them, don't worry about it. That's your business, you know. Um, Yeah, so there is a little bit of confusion out there. But um, on the whole, I think everybody's okay with it. Hamilton was alive last night with various pubs and clubs going off big time yeah. last night we all hope that we don't get the Omicron variant of COVID-19 in our country yeah. I'm just waiting to see today's list it was down yesterday and hopefully Hamilton can get, get back to normality, have you had lots of support from the crew at the Hamilton City Council? Um, not directly I mean I'm aware of the Mayor um, <coughs> asking for different things and um, I'm aware of her Facebook posts um, you know, wanting to support different things. Um, but other than that, um, not really. I'd perhaps put my hand up more for our CBD association. Um, they keep us informed and keep tabs on things and that probably would be my first port of call if I had questions. From all you say, Rachel Pope, it seems Browsers is doing a booming business. Let's hope it's reflected up and down Victoria Street, our main city street, and I think that I agree. there are many books that are still waiting to be read. And, 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 and hopefully we don't have another lockdown. I'm just, uh, I'm just waiting and seeing for the latest information. Have a very good Christmas and um, sell those, keep selling those books. Well, I'll endeavour to do my best. Thank you for the invitation. Hey, it's, uh, it, 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 it's a pleasure. May, may, maybe in next year we'll make it regular just to talk about books and browsers and 
what people are reading just to keep up with you. There's all, all sorts of quirky stories to be had. Oh, we'll have to get into <laughs> those in the new year. Thank, thank you, Rachel. Yeah, okay. All right, then. No worries. Bye-bye. 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 It's, uh, it's a pleasure. Quirky stories. I wonder if they're fact or fiction. Um, four minutes past one. Time to play another song that was banned by NZBC and Radio New Zealand. It was to do with sex. The birds and the bees. Remember... Mum and Dad sitting you down to talk about the birds and the bees. Well, there was a song called The Birds and the Bees by Jewel Aiken. Yep, sadly, Auntie Bandits. And... Out of America, One Hit Wonder, the song that was banned by BBC, Radio New Zealand and other radio stations. And I've been looking through a list of songs that were banned by um, American radio stations in the wake of 9-11. That's coming up on Scotty's Place in the uh, new year. But right now, we're going to talk to a man who we haven't talked to for a while. Good afternoon, Gary Schofield. Good afternoon, Bruce, and Mel, always good to talk with you. How are we? And Merry Christmas to you and your family. Well, Merry Christmas. Uh, it's wonderful to have the warm weather for Christmas, although I, I see a few lights creeping in, but um, in, in the U.S., of course, this time of the year, it gets dark very early, so the lights, you see them, and they're very noticeable. Here, uh, I'm asleep. You spent 30 years based in Washington, D.C., the capital city of the United States of America, a place of power, politics, and influence, often portrayed as the last bastion of democracy, freedom upheld by that august legal institution which sits in the white marble building of the Supreme Court. 
It's delivered a few body blows to hopes of those who support the former president, Gary. Uh, well, as a matter of fact, we have yet to find that out. In fact, the body blow that has been delivered came from, I think, the, the D.C. Circuit Court. Um, and I think that uh, because I've, I've looked at the way that the Trump administration has gone about this with a strategy, I think their desire is to have it now go before... December 23rd, at least, to make the application to the Supreme Court where that will be heard. Uh, and it will be a very, very interesting case. And I would just differ a little with a lot of commentators on this who think that, um, indeed, that the Trump administration has been uh, broken by the courts and, and will have to accede to their wishes. But, in fact, I don't see it that way. I see this as a a very interesting legal argument about executive privilege. And that's really what's been fought here. So, so the Trump uh, people would like to withhold some of their personal um, communications, documents, interaction, advice is the key word here. Um, so people, uh, presidents especially, want to receive advice and those giving it to the president want that advice confidential. And it can tailor their advice if they think that it's going to come out in the press or it's going to come out after they're no longer in power, all those things. So, so it's a, a really important issue that only came to light really in the Eisenhower administration. Yeah. That's, and of course, we got lots of discussion through the Nixon administration. So how the Supreme Court, uh, uh, Court rules on this, and bear in mind that there are some Trump appointees there. There are also, uh, you know, it's, it is his Republican Party that has now resurfaced, re, um, you know, like a phoenix. It's become a Trump party. He's gone to a lot of trouble in having a political background this time with lots of support. So by the time that it gets tied up in court, Trump may well be president. <laughs> Who knows? Um, not if he keeps his mouth shut and stops sending expletive messages to somebody. Well, he's been doing that, I think, most of his uh, recent life, and, and he's still there. So uh, <laughs> a, a lot of uh, pundits, of course, have said that because he is so reckless with his mouth and so uh, reckless with other aspects of his life that he couldn't possibly be president. But in fact, um, he's shown that, that it, despite um, differences in personality, he's managed to be a strong political force regardless. It, it's quite interesting because satirists are having fun with Trump as they do with Boris Johnson in the UK, including Spitting Image. I don't know if you've seen the Spitting Image puppets, have you, Gary? Um, this is a Boris Johnson. Yeah, and, and also Donald Trump has also has been <laughs> featured. Well, well, of course, wonderful, fair game. And I, I suspect that the world has missed that, you know, Saturday Night Live has probably missed not having that central. Uh, I know that CNN's ratings, I hear, have fallen uh, because they, they don't talk about Trump all the time. So, um, yes, I would say that plenty of satire is in the works. Yep, and, and of course, um, one politician's brother has been f fired from CNN for helping his brother. Was that Andrew Kokomo or whatever? Uh, the, the Cuomo, yes. Um, and with that... Um, I don't know the details of it, but uh, journalists in general, we'd like to have them dispassionate about our news, and that one of the major 
um, problems that we live in this era where we have the internet, where we have social media, it has tended to sway dispassionate reporting. And so it's a rare commodity. So I, and I would love to, and I had a little chat with, with Mel before this, and I think that in some ways we are missing out on the kind of debate that we used to have even in New Zealand in the news. You know, I'd, I would love to hear an alternative side to what we have with, uh, you know, and approaches. So, um, yes, to answer your question, I, I was familiar with Cuomo, and of course, very aspiring political figure, the Cuomo family, before, um, you know, before the, the brothers even. So very significant in politics. Do you trust your Supreme Court? to deliver justice on these important constitutional questions. Are you asking me personally? Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will not give a personal um, um, opinion on, on the mighty Supreme Court, especially when I return to the United States. Uh, but, um, in fact, there is a political... Um, and, as you know, that this is coming through in... Uh, a debate on abortion, um, something that we don't associate with politics, by the way, in New Zealand. We, we see this more as a medical issue in the United States. It's very much tied up together with parties. And having selections from parties, um, it doesn't make it biased, but it does ask questions about whether you are beholden to the person that has put you in power. Yep. And, and, and of course, Gary, litigation in America is big news. The lawyers get paid big, big money to take a case to court and um, then all the legal bills come out. So you're a country of litigation. Well, so, so are you. <laughs> I hate to bring <laughs> Not as much as America. Not as much as America. Well, it used to be that we could say that comfortably and it would be true. But it, in fact, I see a, a lot of uh, litigation in this country. I'm, I'm interested to see how the biggest question, again, that hasn't really been followed by the news media, and that is the question of the New Zealand Bill of Rights. So in, with the New Zealand Bill of Rights and most international law, uh, you can't force somebody into having a medical procedure. And so, in fact, um, that... Or, or, you know, this, it's not forcing, I suppose. It's kind of coercion. I mean, you could lose your job. I mean, I'm just saying it's an issue that really with all the lawyers that we do have who are doing well in New Zealand too, it's a shame that we do not have a debate on that question. Um, and I think the way that it goes is this. Well, your son is a law student. Yes, well, actually, he, yes, he, he did just pass... So he'll be able to give you any legal advice when you get sued on this program for me speaking out. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm talking about our human rights because the question is too now whether these COVID-19 regulations that we're all going to live under is uh, breaking our legal rights. Well, that is the question. And I can tell you in my legal opinion um, that it isn't, um, mostly because under the legislation, and this was um, introduced by Palmer, and he gave us this Bill of Rights, but it, it really, to me, it has no teeth, because it can always be 
uh, superseded by laws that are written by Parliament. So even though we might have all these wonderful protections under the under the um, Bill of Rights, any law in Parliament trumps it. Yeah, I didn't mean to use that expression. <laughs> That's okay. All right. So, but it's a, but it's a bigger issue because, of course, there are international rights. So you could also appeal under those grounds. I, I personally find that um, mandates um, distasteful. Yes. So, so because because of the human rights issue, and because we, uh, as a country, have always maintained um, a, a person's right to have something in their bodies or not. Yeah. Okay? And they shouldn't lose their job if they, don't, if they choose not to. <laughs> or, or in this particular case, if they have reasonable concerns about the efficacy or the danger to them of this vaccine. And I think this issue has been, by the press, uh, it's been divided into anti-vaxxers and vaxxers, and it shouldn't be, because well, most, and I, in my experience, most anti-vaxxers are not anti-vaccines at all. They're just a little worried about this one. Well, I, this week I did see, I was on my way to Cambridge, and um, yeah, this week I saw outside Wintech an anti-vax uh, certificate protest outside there. They had all their placards. And uh, early in the week, too, I even saw a lone protester outside the regional council building protesting against three waters. So, um, hey, we've got all these protesters in town well, but, you know, if you're going to look at it disproportionately, well, it, it does seem a little like the Three Waters doesn't have enough support to, for, the, for, the, for the revolution, <laughs> so if there's only one. But, but um, yes, if we look at what's happened in other countries, they've been through this dreadful couple of years that we've seen. There's a lot of... Uh, withdrawn a, a lot of people that have been locked down for a long time a lot of that's a potential for anger if the government starts intervening and that, you know we're seeing this in china by the way uh, in china they have a credit passport basically it's a similar kind of idea whereby how you are if you're a good citizen uh, you gain better access to jobs better access to where you can go and people might worry that this is a little bit too similar in some regard, having a passport for pleasure, a passport for uh, to, to unlock doors to you, or to be to have them closed. You know, I mean, these are again fundamental rights. Um, but like I think I um, explained, um, the Bill of Rights, even though these are wonderful principles, are superseded by government laws. Did. Mm -hmm. Well, you've, you've got a sort of Bill of Rights, the American American Independence. Uh, that's uh, Bill of Rights, isn't it, um, my friend? Yes, well, yes, and I, I think that the President uh, Biden is having a little trouble getting his mandates through. <laughs> Old Sleepy Joe. Is, yes. is, 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 he, is he doing a good job at the moment? He, he stuffed up over Afghanistan, but is he doing a good job? Um, I would just like to say I was proud to be involved... 20 years ago, I was one of the few people that said invading Afghanistan is a terrible idea for a whole list of reasons, going back to Alexander the Great, that did not, and it was a very challenging time. It was shortly after 9-11. Everyone was so consumed with acting, not talking, and the enormous drive for invading that country was 
you know, palpable. I think only one senator voted against it. So it was a very challenging time. So we can't, we can blame President Biden for how that withdrawal was done. But for me, it was a questionable invasion when there were other possibilities that we could have used far better and far cheaper without the loss of treasure and blood. But um, I think that how the president comes across is the problem. I, I don't think that he has the gravitas of uh, other presidents. And I, and I know that he, and it, and it may be because he's not uh, well. So it worries me. Um, did, did, that, you, did, you didn't as vice president take over the reins for about 75 minutes uh, recently while he went into hospital? Yes, yes, that, that's right. But, but again, we, we judge a president not by how well he is or how he um, uh, does these things. It, it's the policies and how they're carried out and how it affects the country and whether the country moves forward. And I did notice with the immigration, it was a terrible mess. And having that policy, however brutal it was, that, um, that the Trump administration had, when that was lifted or it appeared to be lifted, it, it ended up having the country deluged with, um, with uh, asylum seekers. And it, it's been a t terrible um, situation that has had negative connotation on President Biden. It's now gone 80 years since the New York Times on the morning of December the 7th, 1941, ran a remarkable story about the naval superiority of the United States Navy, whose secretary announced it's commissioning 325 new ships and more than 2,000 aircraft. The article is datelined the day before and appears on the front page. On this, the eve of Imperial Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor, the Navy's report stated, The United States Navy, now in the midst of a record expansion program and recently placed on war footing with full personnel manning the ships of three fleets, has at this time no superior in the world. I am proud to report, Secretary Knox stated. The American people may feel fully confident in their Navy, in my opinion, he said, the loyalty, morale and technical ability of the personnel are without superior. On any comparable basis, the United States Navy is second to none. Before the newspaper had even hit the streets, the undetected Japanese attack fleet is approaching Hawaii to launch aircraft to wreak that death and destruction they can on a sleepy Sunday morning within hours. 2,403 Army, Navy and Marine Corps and civilians were dead or listed missing. And those wounded and surviving totaled 1,178. Was there ever a worse intelligence bungle? Gary Schofield. <laughs> well, in fact, that's a, that's a very interesting hot topic that you've given me again. Um, and, and just on that topic that you're, you're saying, it, it ultimately it did prove uh, that the U.S. Navy was triumphant and unstoppable and was not a paper tiger. And I think that that was the belief that Japan had, that the U.S. would crumble like a paper tiger. And I think that was underestimated because of the enormous... Um, machinery, potential engineering, 
economics, the, the enormity of the United States. Now, in terms of whether or not it was a known fact that Hawaii was going to be attacked, um, well, the codes had been broken. So I can't see any reason why it wouldn't be known. There was also a lot of debate in the country about whether there would be an intervention. Most people did not want to enter World War II. Well, actually, I think it was a majority. Um, but there were also some other factions that were pro-Germany. It was not a clear-cut issue. Of course, Roosevelt was adamant, wanted to be involved. But it's not, you know, when you take your country into war, it's a big, big gamble. Yeah. Having Pearl Harbor occur, Schofield Barracks, my namesake, bombed, it was not, it was a mute point. The issue was over. There was no debate. So some historians, I'll give the credit to them, have said that the U.S. must have known that would happen. And that's why the aircraft carriers were not there. Yeah. yeah, of course, Roosevelt was also trying to protect Britain with Winston Churchill, the land lease agreement supplying warships, etc., and giving them money. Uh, if his history had gone, Roosevelt wouldn't have taken the U.S. into World War II. Perhaps not. It's a very, it's a very, very interesting and exciting issue, and I'm glad you gave me the hard questions first. <laughs> uh, so, and also, I'd like to say we're, we're, we have some parallels in some way about Taiwan. Yep. So here we have, you know, we have the Seventh Fleet, we have um, China that has built up its navy and uh, has increased its defense spending and its posture and its, you know, I notice there are warnings given out everywhere. Uh, we're warning Russia about the Ukraine, China is warning the U.S. about boycotting the Olympic. Everyone is threatening everybody. It's an extremely explosive situation. Yeah, and, and of course the latest is the Winter Olympics. Everybody's, yes. not going, everybody's not going to Beijing. Yes, and so what you could have is a catastrophic collision in, over, over Taiwan. Yeah. And where I think this is so very dangerous is should China have a similar sentiment to what we were just talking about? The paper tiger of the United States before World War II. That would be a miscalculation, and it could happen. And it could happen, especially you've got former secretaries of defense saying that we wouldn't go to war over Taiwan. Well, that makes it a gray issue. And when there's a gray issue, there's miscalculation and there could be conflict. Whereas in actual fact, it would be foolish for either side to go to war. It would be devastating also for New Zealand, by the way. Um, so. Um, and it could well become nuclear. So this is a, an issue that we do not want to make the mistakes that have been made thousands of times in history. The best defense for proceeding further into a conflict is for both sides to realize the might of each other and to keep the status quo. It's, uh, it, it's quite an interesting status quo. I'm just going back to Donald Trump. His latest rant was against um, Israeli, former Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. So, <laughs> yes. form, former allies. Yeah, well, Benin, uh, Mr. Benjamin Netanyahu has one of my works. It was presented to him by Secretary Perry as a, on a diplomatic mission, and he values this. 
Benjamin Netanyahu has been a political survivor, remarkably, through yeah. decades, and has had been a great force in Israel and also in U.S.-Israel relations. So, in sympathy to Benjamin Netanyahu, he's got a difficult position. So, there's a new president, President Biden. Of course, you should say, welcome, congratulations. <laughs> I mean, it's just etiquette one country to another. Yeah. But, of course, uh, President Trump has a view of loyalty is paramount, and that's how he lives. And I think that those people who have been on the opposite side of that loyalty have felt his wrath. Yep. So I, you know, I, I don't take it lightly that, that he, has, he has reacted in that way and there may be repercussions. But also, bear in mind, and I don't know if you've noticed this, a lot of Trump's actions are theatre. Oh, he's always been an act. I've seen him in movies. A lot of theatre... And he plays the game well. And I think he's been through fire. He's had all these impeachment trials. He's had investigation after investigation. He had the Russian one, which was, um, turns out to be based on the Steele report, which was false. <laughs> you know, he's learned a lot about how things work in Washington, something that I don't think he knew at the beginning. Um, one, one last question. Do you know anything about the new New Zealand... Sorry, the new well, Washington ambassador to New Zealand? I did see him on television. Do you know anything about him? Uh, you do Yep. Um, I do, and I, I think it's wonderful that um, that relationship is probably the most important re relationship um, that, that we have. And just... Just one more thing before, yep. before you get rid of me. Uh, the other important <laughs> issue is the Ukraine and Russia. And I don't think that we in the West understand the stakes of that, because that could easily lead to a nuclear conflict. And I can see why, and, and people don't know the importance of the Ukraine to Russia. After all, near Kiev is where the Rus tribe came from, from which we get the word Russian. So it's of great historic heritage significance to Russia, and we shouldn't push their red line. They keep saying, we're drawing a red line, it means something. Hey, hey just before you do go, um, next, next year when we more open the studios, more open, we're going to get you and your son in here, and we'll, we'll talk how, how he survived getting his, le his legal ticket. He is now a lawyer. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that in the new year. Forward to that very much. Always a pleasure to talk to both of you. It's a pleasure, Gary. Have a good Christmas and give you best to the rest of your family. Will do. It's a pleasure. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah, he's interesting, isn't he, Mel? Sure is. Uh, sure is. Time for another Christmas song. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive our sins as we forgive each one of those who sins against us and lead us not to the time of trial but 
deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory of Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive our sins as we forgive each one of those who sins against us. And we to the time of trial, deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Let all the people say, make this Cliff Richard, that is, of course, the Millennium Prayer. Big Christmas hit many years ago for him. There are 103 new cases of COVID-19 within the Delta community outbreak and 61 people in hospital, including three in ICU. The new cases are in Auckland. There's 86, Northland 2, Waikato 9, Bay of Plenty 3, Canterbury 2 and Lakes 1. One case in Taranaki and one in Nelson, Tasman. Uh, were also confirmed, but would be added to tomorrow's list. This is from the latest information from the Ministry of Health. So these uh, results are bouncing around over this weekend. But 109 new case, sorry, 103 new cases of COVID-19 in the community. Our next guest, Mel, Glenda Romati, Namiro Health Centre Manager at Naroawahia, is heavily involved in the campaign to vaccinate against COVID-19. All who are eligible. Have you reached the last one yet, Glenda? No, unfortunately we haven't. But um, we're not that far away. Uh, in Waikato DHB, um, um, the whole population has, I'm sure, we've got there to the 90%. In terms of the Māori population, we're working on the last 5% to get us um, to 90% um, first dose. Uh, but, in, yeah, numbers are changing every day, slowly yeah. but surely. Um, the requirement, now we're in the traffic light system and people are now required to have 
the vaccine passport to move in, around in the community, that's been quite a game changer. A lot of those people who have held off and held off from getting their um, vaccination are slowly are coming in now. It brings the um, pressure yeah, on them, doesn't the, it? The restrictions have really um, woken a, a significant part of our population up to yep. the necessity to get a vaccine. Have, have, um, have they woken up not to read all that junk on the internet? Well, no, you know, the, yeah, people... The thing, interesting thing is that uh, we have an outreach team who go out around the communities uh, into people's homes to vaccinate them in the homes. So people, you know, who are bedridden or homebound. But we also go and vaccinate people. Um, last week we went and vaccinated a, a woman who was just, her needle phobia was, was just really, really extreme. Um, you know, and that's what couldn't get her past having their vaccine, so we went into her home um, and talked her through it. You know, so um, um, there are people, you know, who read all that junk on social media who who really, once you've sat down and had a proper, proper conversation with them, which is what our outreach team does, they take their time, work through all their questions, and... Um, they, they haven't failed in getting somebody vaccinated when they've been able to sit alongside them and go through all the questions and all the misinformation they've read on social media. So, yeah, people are still believing it, but you yep. can get past it if you give them the time to go through all their questions. Hey, have you had any uh, anti-vax um, certificate protesters out, Huntley, Nauruwaia? Funnily enough, No. We haven't, and I'm really I'm thankful for that. Um, oh, we worked some months ago at um, the settlement centre in um, for Hamilton, and my team were working there oh, on that Super Saturday. We yes. had the National Super Saturday, and there were a whole bunch of protesters alongside that facility. But in Ngarawahia, no. We, we, do a, uh, we do two nights a week on a Tuesday and a Thursday till 7 o'clock, and we do it up at a mobile clinic up on the main road um, where the old railway station used to be in Ngarawahia. Oh, yeah, yeah. You might remember those days. Oh. And, um, <laughs> and um, we get a few people who toot, who might yell out the window, but nobody's game enough to come up alongside us. Oh, you know, right. hop out of their cars and never have a conversation, And, of course, to get the jab and, uh, hey, I don't have needle phobia. The needle just went in and, he, and it goes and uh, yes. I, I'm, I immediately walked out of the pharmacy, no problems at all. That was both both jabs. I had a sore arm a couple of days later, but, hey, it's, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what they've learned, that this vaccine is quite... Um, it's easy, you know, other than like you're saying, the, the biggest side effect is sore arm. Yeah. You know, and I've, what I've noticed, you know, because I've had my booster weeks yep. ago. Oh, yeah. Um, it feels like it's almost about the person who's administering it as opposed to what's in the vaccine. And, and I've had three different experiences, and this last one, I barely felt a thing, and I didn't have a uh, sore arm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, yeah. And uh, another think, thing, yeah. another thing with the certificates, of course, people 
have to get into Taranga Waiwai Marae. So has Taranga Waiwai kind of told people if you want to come in, you've got to have uh, your fax, fax passes? Uh, to be honest, we haven't had that wider community conversation. Um, while we are in, since we never reopened our marae until level one the last year. Um, and since this year's lockdown, since August, we still have remained closed to the public. We've had a vaccination clinic centre running out of one of our whare, but um, to the rest of the marae, we've been closed. And there's many marae that are still closed. Um, we just haven't had the conversation, yep. to be fair, about... We've been looking to the new year to see how how the disease tracks in Waikato. You know, we're just having a few cases at the moment. We're just waiting and sitting back and seeing what happens when they open the border with Auckland to see if the movement of people out of Auckland impacts on the, you know, the incidence of the disease here in Waikato. Um, so yeah. we're just paying, being, still being quite cautious. I, about, I, I, We've got nine nine new cases here in Waikato today. I don't know whether the, where in Waikato they are, whether in Huntley or Tiamudu or whatever in Hamilton. But it's been yeah. bounce, the statistics have been bouncing around the last couple of days, uh, one hundred and three today. So hey, it's working according it's to. It's working. That's what the statistics are clearly telling us at the moment that um, the vaccination it's it's. It is having an impact on reduce, you know, the cases. Yeah, there were 200. We were getting over 200 yep. about three weeks ago. Yep. So, um, yeah, there's, it's, you can see it, it actually it works. The vaccination works. So, um, Do you fear the worst, Glenda, that a lot of that good work might be undone with the relaxation that comes with the traffic light system? Well, yeah, well, just just because the sheer volume of numbers of active cases in Auckland, eh? Yeah. You know, there's there's, there's still large numbers of active cases in the Auckland community, so... That's the worry. You never know. Because I, I, um, you know, once people start coming over who are unaware, who might be asymptomatic... But carrying a, uh, you know, infectious still. You be, I don't be, I know, uh, from my th- meetings I've been in that the DHB has been doing some modelling and, you know, in terms of what would happen, what's going to happen once they open the border with Auckland here. And, um, there is some, some of the modelling has said we might, we may see a spike in late January, February, March of cases here in Waikato and I think that's why the, pr- the the pressure is on for us to just keep going, getting as many keep going with getting people vaccinated and now we're rolling out um, the booster shots uh, we're here at our centre at Turangawawa, you can come and get AstraZeneca if that's what you want to you want your next vaccine to be is AstraZeneca, you can come and get it at Turangawawa um, and then there's Here's the third shot for those who are immunocompromised. Yep. Immuno, so they can come and get a third shot. So, also. so that so, inclu- that that includes Maori, Pakeha, and Pacifica. Yes, yes. Everyone, everyone's entitled to it right now. 
You know, if you meet the um, time, you know, because first dose, you've got to have a minimum of 21-day gap. Yep. Yeah, right. Yep. And then um, eight weeks, if you've got um, immunity issues, um, you, eight weeks later, you can get the third shot. And then six months after that, you can get your booster. Well, that's looking ahead now, Linda. Yeah, yeah. Any chance of a sausage roll or something? If people turn up? <laughs> well, you never know your luck. You, you've done you your go, utmost. what day it is, whether you're going to get something. There was outdoor <laughs> movies, wasn't there? As inducements oh, to come along. We're doing another one <laughs> yeah. this weekend. Is that at right? At again, next, um, oh. on Saturday the 18th. Oh, I hope it's it fine weather. Well, Absolutely fantastic. So what? if you... <laughs> if you have got someone who hasn't been vaccinated and... Um, You've got to bring somebody, or you've got to, you, if you need your second or your booster, you can come along and get that, and, um, or you've got whānau members who need to have their first, bring them along, and you can get vaccinated at Hōpōpū, and then watch a, a movie out, uh, outside, with a drive-in movie, which is, it's fantastic. What, what, what's, what, what's the movie? Oh, I don't know what it is, to be honest. I don't know what it is this weekend. The last time it was Free Guy. Four Guy, Free Guy. Oh, I can't remember. Right uh, not not, not uh, four, um, four, 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 four weddings and a funeral, was it? No. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter, Glenda. It doesn't we're matter. We're not doing funerals. That's why we're having vaccinations, so we're not doing funerals. As long <laughs> as they get the jab. That's what counts. Hey, 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 yeah. hey, Glenda, thanks for your day. Thanks for your time this Sunday afternoon. It's starting to rain, so uh, I'll, yeah. I'll let you get back to putting the needle in. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a break today. Back into it tomorrow. Uh, cheers. Thank you, Glenda. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's 14 minutes to two. Another song that was banned by RTNZBC and Radio New Zealand for one word. And uh, this is it. wonder I can think at all And my lack of education hasn't hurt me none I can read the writing on the wall Hold a
we're going to leave Paul Simon here with Kodachrome. who was banned by the BBC for advertising a form of... Um, there's a book fair happening at the Eureka Hall today. So if you want to... If you want a, want a little novel to read, go to Eureka Hall and uh, get a book, a cheap book. Mama's gonna take my coat from the way. Mama's gonna take my coat from the way. Mama's gonna take... Yes, Paul Simon got banned by Auntie NZBC for that... One word starting with C. Right now to say good afternoon, Trevor. Good afternoon. Trevor's talk. How are you, mate? Very good, thanks. Yes, it's uh, well, the weather's not the best, of course. It is hot. It is sticky. As I said before, I changed my t-shirt before I came up here. Oh right. Because it was, it was all. I was already sweating at nine o'clock this morning. Oh right. Yeah. Oh, mustn't have affected me that much. Yeah. Sort of heading off from what I was saying yep. last week about that six hundred thousand dollar ad. On television, I still can't get my head around it, where that money went. I mean, I could have done a better one for a couple hundred dollars, maybe. Save the taxpayer a lot of money. And it's all relating to global, global warming. They had that conference in Glasgow, and every leader went back to their own country, and they said, this must be done by a certain year and so on, and China said 2075. Well, that will, the bus is well and truly gone by then. So, I mean, so nothing's really constructive come out of it. Mm. And, and what I would like to see is scientists get together with a theory of anything else, how they can resolve it. Electric cars are very thin on the ground. There was a electric car garage in Frankton, the old Forlongs building. That's long gone. And uh, there's limited top-up places apart from Countdown and Cairo Street uh, for for electric cars. Well, you you've got a petrol car. How much how much a week do you spend uh, getting petrol? About two dollars a week. And and that, that that is cheap because the price of petrol has gone through the gone through the ceiling. Uh, it's where we get our barrels of oil from. <laughs> it, it's gone up. So yeah, I only use it for the weekends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We see you travelling around the city every once in a while in your in your fancy sports car. And <laughs> yeah. is it a pity that you can't put the roof down? You could you could have a big scarf flowing out the back or something. No, I did have one uh, the previous car I had, but the engine blew up. <laughs> And the repair yeah. was wasn't worth it. Heard you heard you again on talk back with Leah Parnapa this week. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, now, what, what, trying to remember. I'm just trying to remember. It's it too many days ago. It's um, oh, uh, uh, that's what it's about. The border patrol. Yeah. that's right. It's coming back to me. Uh, but I think it's a it's a guy on when I spoke, and because uh, I think she had the day off. Yep. Oh yeah, you were talking to Kim. Kim, that's right. Yep. Yeah, and uh, about. The, I said, why not bring the army in and, and free the police up to do what they're supposed to do? But the police are thin on the ground at the best of times. and be a good experience for the army because of the, 
if there's a war zone, they could check people crossing the border and things like that if they're spies or escapees and so on. Well, I think next year Leopardum is moving into midday because they're, because I think um, Magic Talk's becoming today FM and Duncan Garner's coming back. Um, Mark Richardson, the cricketer, is coming into there, so there's big changes in Talkback Radio in the new year. Oh, right, yeah, because Peter Williams is gone. Yeah, well, I think I think he might have been forced to retire. I think so. I think he probably too outspoken on certain subjects. Yeah, and that, him and Sean Plunkett. So, um, and I believe Paul Henry's uh, going to be the voice man of the new Today FM. Oh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> so everything happy in your building, is it? No floods, no... Nothing else? Oh, no, floods like last week, no, uh, <laughs> as far as that goes. Yeah, the building's still standing and uh, it's considered, been considered as a heritage trust building. Oh. Uh, I got a letter from the council about it. Yeah. What, what listing are you, A, A, a B or C? Uh, well, I don't think they've reached that stage yet. I think they're just chewing it over. It's not that old, that building. It was built in 1962. It, it sounds because uh, the other night I, I accompanied a man I know down Victoria Street and we were talking to him. He, he pointed out that there was this building here, that there, there was building here. The, the face of Hamilton has changed. Um, you're, oh, not pl- yeah. you're not planning to go away over Christmas? Oh, not really. Uh, uh, not as such. Be mayhem on the roads if I, if I did. <laughs> hey, it's a pleasure. We'll talk to you again next week, which is getting so close to Christmas. It is. I it is. The time's gone. We've got the 12 Days of Christmas song coming up. Because it leads into two two young men are trying to chopping at the bit to get in there to do their half hour program. It's been a pleasure with Mel and myself today. So we'll take you out or get closer to two o'clock with Mitch Miller and the crew and the twelve days of Christmas. You can sing along if you want to. Yeah, those two young gentlemen out the back can uh, sing along also. On the first day of Christmas, my true love came to me, a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love came to me, two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. On the third day of Christmas, my true love came to me, three French hens, two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. Swimming
to this free fm podcast if you want to hear more content like this you can support free fm via patreon head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more